Welcome to the 37th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of our podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions and a deep dive into the NBA. Let's jump right in with a look back at those weekend predictions, which Patrick posts every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we'll start in the NBA, where the Hawks beat the Heat 118-103. to Patrick incorrectly picked the Heat. The Nets beat the Celtics 109-104. Patrick incorrectly picked the Celtics. The Bucks beat the 76ers 132-94. Patrick incorrectly picked the 76ers. And the Mavericks beat the Lakers 108-93. So Patrick, the pattern of consistency, incorrectly picked the Lakers, meaning he went 0-4 this week in his NBA predictions. Let's turn to Major League Baseball, uh, where the Brewers took two of three games from the Cubs. Patrick correctly picked the Brewers to win that series. The Blue Jays took two of three games from the Rays. Patrick correctly picked the Blue Jays. The Mets took two of three games from the Nationals. Patrick correctly picked the Mets. And the Cardinals swept the Reds, and Patrick incorrectly picked the Reds, meaning Patrick went 3-1 and one in his MLB predictions. Overall, a 3-5 and five week for Patrick this weekend, bringing him to 110-71 and 71 overall, a 6.08 winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your predictions? Well, I will say four things in line with the four losses of the NBA, though one of them is not about the first game. I won't speak about the first game. First thing, I said that the Celtics would beat the Nets because the Nets were too injured, and then uh, Kemba Walker didn't play, Robert Williams didn't play, and Jalen Brown didn't play. So it actually ended up flipping on its head because it was basically just Jason Tatum against Kyrie Irving. Jason Tatum is not used to being uh, the lone superhero on the team. Kyrie Irving has done that about a thousand times a season with Kevin Durant being injured all the time. Uh, and same as James Harden. Uh, the second thing, I have no idea how the Bucks beat the 76ers twice in the same week and how the second time around they beat them by 40. I could not explain that to you uh, at all. The third thing is, I don't know what happened with Anthony Davis, but he has looked awful coming back from his injury. And I actually waited for my predictions to see how he was in the first game. And I saw yeah, he was two for 10, but it felt like he was... It was probably because of the minutes restriction, and he, if he got in rhythm and took more shots, would shoot better. He actually shot pretty much the same percentage. He shot four of 19. So <laughs> double the shots, or almost double the shots, uh, b- double the makes. Um, and then overall, uh, I, I've been very consistent in thinking that any teams that are evenly matched will go one and one against each other if they play each other twice in a row. And that did not happen for the Bucks or for the Lakers. So that's how that ended up like that. Uh, I think it's kind. Of, I think it's kind of ironic that I picked a game based off of injuries, and then the injury situation flipped on its head, though. So I guess I deserve that. Um, but moving on to the MLB, the Reds I picked against last week actually in the series, and they won that series. And since I picked them to lose the series, they've actually lost seven games in a row, which is another very ironic thing. Um, I, they lost all seven games at the complete wrong time because I could have been 4-0 last week, and if they had already lost five in a row heading into this weekend, I probably wouldn't have picked them. Um, <laughs> but with it only at four in a row, or three in a row probably at the time that I picked it, I was like, eh, they could probably turn it around, get some good pitching matchups, figure it out. Didn't happen. Cardinals beat them every single game. Uh, but still, overall, 3-1. and one. Uh, The Blue Jays and Rays had an incredibly close series. The Brewers got destroyed by the Cubs in game one of their series. I think it was 15-2 to two or something, and then came back and won both. Uh, and the Mets, I would say, pretty much handled the Nationals pretty easily. Uh, but overall, I'm, I'm satisfied with the MLB side of things. I'm obviously not satisfied with the NBA, but I mean, that's, 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 I mean, 
do I even need to explain that? <laughs> no, and but clearly, uh, moving in the MLB to picking series winners is the way to go here. We've been oh yeah, because out that methodology and 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 much. by the way, if I were to do the raw math again, that percentage would be creeping towards fifty percent of games correct. Yet, if you pick them in series, which is the goal of the game, is to win series, and I mean even in the NBA where they only play each other once at a time normally. Even still, when you get to the playoffs, it's about winning the series. Only the NFL does not have a series in playoffs, so it's always about winning series. So you've got to pick baseball based off of that. There's no other way to do it. Fantastic. All right, well, uh, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, as always, on Thursdays. Let's now turn our attention to our weekly look back at the action in the NBA. As usual, we're going to take a look at the most impressive teams, the least impressive teams, and the player of the week. So let's start with the most impressive teams of the week. Patrick, who do you have as the most impressive team of the week in the NBA? Uh, again, this week's going to be kind of similar to last week where the East teams are more impressive, although there is one exception, and uh, the West teams are more disappointing. Uh, the reason why it has been like that is mostly because of one team. That is the New York Knicks, who are again on my most impressive teams of the week, this time number one. They're on a nine-game winning streak. They're tied with in fourth. With Atlanta right now, they beat the Hornets this week. They beat the Hawks in overtime, which could be really important uh, coming down the line here. And they also beat the Raptors. Obviously, no losses. Uh, Really, the Knicks have been overplaying expectations, I think, for most of the season. Um, I I think we talked in depth about New York sports last time, and we talked about how they were had, I think, the 27th or 28th best preseason odds to win the title, and frankly, if you were to look at that now, I I don't think they're being regarded as a title contender, and probably somebody, even if you look at the way Vegas works, probably somebody in the 10 seed in the West, maybe even the Warriors, could be higher than them, but we still have to respect them because they are going to make the playoffs, I think, pretty easily, Um, especially when you look down the rest of the standings. We have 12 games left. I think they're seven or eight games above the 11th place team and and easily still they would be in the 10th place and I think they'd be able to bring it together even if they fell all the way down which they're not gonna um they would still be able to bring it together and beat the teams in the plane because the east is generally pretty weak but overall the Knicks are just really really impressive right now with what they're doing uh they're probably trying to make sure that the city doesn't fall out of their uh out of their uh reign to the Brooklyn Nets so the Knicks are impressive. Uh, we'll see if maybe even in longer terms this might mean that they can attract some superstars next year. Who knows? All right. How about number two? Uh, Washington Wizards. Now, this one, I probably should have had them on here last week, but their schedule was kind of weak. And again, this week their schedule was pretty weak. But at the same time, except for I think they did beat the Jazz last week, which was a big win for them. But um, this time I just had to put them on there because of all of the wins. They beat the Thunder, the Warriors, the Thunder again, and the Cavs. Uh, They went 4-0 this week, 8-game winning streak, 10th place in the East all of a sudden, and let's just say they're making the Bulls look pretty bad for trading uh, pretty much their whole future to get Nikola Vucevic. Um, And so far, I mean, is this sustainable? Well, we saw before the season Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, and a lot of people said, They're in the East. Of course they're going to make the playoffs. Who's going to make the playoffs above them? Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, New York, and everybody's like, no, it's Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Well, the Knicks are ahead of them. Charlotte is ahead of them. Atlanta is ahead of them. Toronto is behind them, even though they were supposed to be ahead of them. Um, The Pacers are ahead of them. 
But frankly, they're really flipping it on their head, and they might be better than those teams. And and frankly, if I'm if I'm the one seed in the East, I do not want to be dealing with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think one team that would really be easily equipped to deal with it uh, is Brooklyn Nets. Although I think a team like the 76ers might struggle because I don't think they would struggle against them necessarily. But but matchup wise, the 76ers have a lot of great bigs, not a lot of. Uh, great guard talent. So, uh, yeah, Ben Simmons would be able to guard Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, but one person can't guard two people at the same time. So the Wizards are pretty are looking pretty scary right now. Uh, they're probably not going to win a series, but they could make a team uncomfortable. Well, they could have some make some noise in the, uh, in the play-in side of things. So yep. we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, let's move to your third most impressive team of the week. I gave it to the Dallas Mavericks. They had a rough patch, some losses last week. I think they were on my uh, most disappointing teams last week, although if they weren't, they were at least an honorable mention. Uh, they went 3-0 this week. Or a dishonorable mention. <laughs> yeah. Um, they went 3-0 this week. They had a three-game winning streak. Still, that they didn't, again, they lost their last game of last week. Um, they're in sixth place, though, and they're one and a half games ahead of the Trailblazers. The last time I think we mentioned that, they were two games behind the Trailblazers. So when you consider that, these are some good results for the Mavericks. They beat the Pistons, pretty easy win. Then they beat the Lakers twice, and they're actually creeping up on the Lakers. Like, they're not really close to them. I think they're two and a half or three games back, but I would say they are in really good position to not stay in the seventh seed. Maybe they can stop complaining about the play-in now. Exactly. All right, well, let's move to the most disappointing teams of the week. Starting with your most disappointing team in the NBA. I gave it to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, this is the one team that defies the norm of West Coast teams and the most disappointing teams. Uh, they went 0-4 this week, a four-game losing streak, Very, but they actually, I think they were on my most impressive teams last week, actually, so pretty ironic swing. Um, did not win a game. They lost to the Warriors, the Suns, and twice to the Bucks, and that 40-point loss to the Bucks was... Really, 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 really ugly. And that is the only word I can use to describe that. Uh, that's not what you're looking for when you're in sole possession of the one seed in the East. And it seems like it, it seems like it's like a month ago that they were in sole possession of the one seed, even though it was literally last week after they beat the Nets. And it seemed like they had a strong, strong hold on that position. And now all of a sudden, here they are one and a half games back of the Nets. Um, so really, really disappointing week for the Sixers. I would kind of equate it to a little baseball analogy where you say that some pitchers need a shutdown inning where either your team has scored or something has happened in the game that's shifting the momentum and you just need to make sure that it doesn't get shifted back in the other team's favor. And the Sixers just took the shutdown inning and gave up 20 runs. <laughs> so that's not what you want and that's an awful week for them. All right, uh, your second most disappointing team. Similar to the 76ers, but the reason why they're number two is because they gave up the sixth seed as opposed to the one seed, which I would argue is less of a big deal, although you could argue with the play-in it's more of a big deal. Yeah. Um, but it was the Trailblazers. Uh, they're on a five-game losing streak. They were 0-4 this week. And the reason why I didn't give it to did, did not give them the number one spot is because their losses this week combined for just for 11 points combined in the margins. Um, so they don't deserve it over the team that lost by 40 to a, to a division rival that's under them in the standings. Um, the Trailblazers lost to the Clippers by one. Anybody who saw that on back on Tuesday night, 
uh, saw that Paul George got fouled and then made two free throws, and the Trailblazers just barely missed a game-winning shot. They lost to the Nuggets by one. Then they lost to the Grizzlies twice, one by two points, and one by seven points. So they lost every game this week except for one within a two-point margin. Uh, that's pretty painful, uh, but it's not as bad as losing by 40 and uh, losing four games and losing out on the one seed. However, as I said, they are in the seven seed now behind Dallas, which is not the thing that you want. Uh, so Trailblazers, not a good week for them. All right, and finally, who's your third most disappointing team of the week in the NBA? I gave it to the Los Angeles Lakers because I was expecting a lot more out of Anthony Davis's return rather than a combined shooting per- per- performance or percentage, whichever one you prefer, of 6 of 29 from the field. That is not what you look for at all. You do not want 2 of 10 and 4 of 19 from your star. And LeBron is still not back, and it seems like it'll be probably a week, a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. But when you consider that there's only 12 games left in the season, AD's got to get back on point, and this team has got to start playing better if they want to keep that playoff spot uh, not in the play-in. I mean, frankly, you also don't want to slide down to six because now you're entering the territory of playing the Jazz, the Suns, or the Clippers as opposed to playing the Denver Nuggets who got most of their record with a player that they're not going to be having in this season and who tore up the postseason last year, that being Jamal Murray. Uh, so the Lakers, the five seed is honestly maybe the best position you can be in in the West right now based off of matchups, excluding the number one seed. Um, so the Lakers do not want to give that up, and losing three times once the Jazz and twice the Mavericks is not good, especially when the Mavericks are the team that could take that spot from them. All right, uh, ending on our positive note, as usual, who's your player of the week? There were a lot of strong candidates this week, um, but I I wanted to give it to a team that had been impressive. There were a lot of players who only played one game, i.e. Kevin Durant and had a great game or two games, but uh, obviously that's not enough of a sample size when I'm talking about a player of the week. It's playing 25% of the games. Uh, So I gave it to Julius Randle because the Knicks are on a nine-game winning streak, and I figured it would either be whoever's the best player on the Knicks or the Wizards right now, and it was between Russell Westbrook and Julius Randle in the end. Uh, Russ is still averaging a triple-double on the season, and in this stretch, I think he's averaging 19, 11, and 10 in this last week, which is ridiculous. Um, but Julius Randle is averaging 29 points per game, 10.3 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. He's also shooting 57.1% from three, which I bet if you went back to his draft profile, you would never hear the words three-point shooter, right. but he has really evolved his game in New York and he's he is a great shooter now. I mean, he's not he's not somebody who you would just say, "Oh, I want the last shot of the game as Julius Randle shooting a three, But at the same time, he's doing it enough, and he's shooting the right shots, and they're giving him all the space to do that. And he's performing very, very well. And the other thing that I felt was very valuable about him, and probably speaks to Tom Thibodeau too, is that he was playing forty plus minutes per game this week. Instead of resting a few games, he's playing every game and playing a bunch of minutes, maybe even too much. Uh, That is very, very important to the Knicks' success that he plays as much as possible, although that number might be a little bit inflated from an overtime game against Atlanta, but it could only be inflated by about five minutes and on average one and a half per game. So, Fantastic. Well, as we've been talking about, uh, we're getting down to the end of the regular season, focusing on the playoff picture in both conferences. The playoff pushes on. So I'm going to focus my questions um, on the playoff picture. We're going to start in the West. 
um, but only, but focus on the East, but we'll start in the West as the playoff picture is a little more solidified in the West at the moment. So we'll start out there at the West and then move to the East. Um, so Patrick, the Suns and Clippers are tied for the second seed in the West, and both are two games back of the Jazz for the number one seed. I talked about this question a little similarly a couple weeks ago about this. Uh, who will end up with the number two seed, and can either of them catch the Jazz? Um, these are actually both two hard questions. Uh, it's really, really tough, especially because Phoenix has the eighth hardest remaining schedule in the league. Uh, their, their, the remainder of their opponents have an average of a 536 winning percentage, whereas the Clippers have the 19th hardest remaining schedule at 483 winning percentage on, on average. Uh, they do play each other once, and the Clippers have played well in that matchup. I think they own the season series so far, probably two games to none, if not two to one so far. I really don't know who's gonna who's gonna end up with it. Uh, if I had to go, if I had to go with uh, with just one team, I think I'd have to pick the Clippers just because of that schedule. And I've looked at individually, not just overall who it is. And the Clippers, I think, even the harder games that they have in that span, they're still easier than the harder games that Phoenix have. Uh, so I, I like them in that spot, especially because they got to the tie. They've been playing really, really well recently to get there. And Phoenix actually has lost two games in a row, so that's not really what you want. Uh, uh, in terms of catching the Jazz, it's really, really tough. Um, they're both two games back of the Jazz. So that's not that's not going to bode well, especially with 12 or 13 or 11 games remaining for each of them. I don't think anybody catches the Jazz just because the Jazz are able to play so well at home. I think they're just going to be able to maybe go 8-4, and four, and even if they went 8-4, and four, one of these teams would have to go 11-3 and three to be able to get ahead of the Jazz, or 11-1, and one, sorry. Uh, and I just don't see that happening just because I think these teams have hard enough schedules that they'll at least lose two or three games, and I don't think the Jazz are going to lose any more than four. All right, so you don't think Boogie Cousins is going to put put the Clippers over the top? <laughs> uh, um, you asked me that five years ago, I'd say maybe they make the playoffs because of him, but or maybe with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul and Boogie Cousins, yes. But <laughs> not this version of Boogie Cousins, not quite. All right, well, let's as we talked about, let's move over to the East now, uh, where the Nets are one and a half games ahead of the 76ers in possession of the number one seed in the East. Will Brooklyn keep their spot, or will either Milwaukee or Philadelphia catch the Nets? Uh, I think this one's pretty simple, and I'm going to go ahead with uh, no. Um, Philly has the easiest remaining schedule in the league, though, I will say that. Um, a 413 average winning percentage from their opponents, which is, frankly, I find it hard that they actually have a schedule that's possible to get that low of a winning percentage, without just literally picking the bottom five teams of the league and saying you play them all twice, and then you play two other good teams. Um, Brooklyn has the 13th hardest at 506. Milwaukee has the fifth easiest uh, at 453. Brooklyn does play Milwaukee twice, and that actually might go well for uh, Philly, because Philly doesn't play either of them. And Brooklyn gets to, let's say they split that with, with Milwaukee now Philadelphia gains a game on them because of that, um, and they also distance themselves a little bit from Milwaukee. Uh, I think it's easy to say that Milwaukee has been eliminated from that spot. I, I think there's absolutely no chance that Milwaukee ends up with the one seed, um, although maybe a few weeks ago it looked a little bit more likely. Um, and definitely before last week, I would say the Sixers beat the Nets for that one seed overall too. But it, it's looking shaky, but again... 
we mentioned who they played this week. They lost, They went 0-4, but they lost to the Warriors, the Suns, and, tw- and twice to the Bucks. With a 4-13 remaining schedule, I don't think they're playing any of those teams again. I don't think that's possible mathematically with only 12 games left. Um, they might play the Warriors again, but I doubt it because West Coast scheduling. But I would say Philly has a, I would give them, if I had to give a number on it, I would say they have a 30% chance to get the one seed. I'd give 65% to the Brooklyn, and I'd give 5% to Milwaukee. So I would say pretty overwhelmingly, I would say Brooklyn's going to keep that spot. Okay, and now this next question is a little complicated. Bear with me here. Uh, let's go further down the seating in the East, the next rung of teams. The Knicks and the Hawks are tied for the fourth slash fifth seeds in the East, and the Heat and the Celtics are tied for the sixth and seventh seeds, two games back of that 4-5 Knicks and Hawks tie. The seventh seed is where the play-ins start, so that seed, getting that sixth seed is very, very important. Boston is 1-0 against Miami so far this year, and they play each other two more times. Who out of those four teams, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Celtics, is most likely to end up in that seventh seed? Or can Charlotte, Indiana, or someone else bump one of those teams even further down? I think there's no chance that uh, Charlotte, Indiana, or or the Wizards can bump them down. And I think any team below the Wizards is, frankly, almost out of the race entirely, even for the 10th seed. So I don't think you're going to see Toronto or uh, Chicago getting that seven seed. I don't think it's possible. And Cleveland's technically not eliminated yet, although that's the, the, I, I find that very surprising. <laughs> um, so if I had to pick one of them that's going for the seven seed, I, I look at the schedule a lot. Uh, Atlanta has the 23rd hardest remaining schedule at 470, so a pretty easy one. And Boston has the 27th hardest remaining schedule at 453, winning percentage from their opponents. So... Boston and Atlanta are looking pretty good to keep their spots. Um, The Knicks are playing too well, I think, to even be entered into this conversation. Uh, I don't know what their tiebreaker situation looks like, unless they've literally lost every single game to the Heat, Celtics, and the Hawks this year. I think they're just playing too well to stay in that seventh seed. And the Celtics have been so inconsistent that no matter how the Knicks are with their schedule, I, I still think it's a lot easier for the Knicks to keep that four seed. Um, I definitely also know that the Knicks did beat the Hawks this week, so they definitely have at least one matchup on them. The Hawks, I would say they're probably safe too, just because they're two games ahead of the Heat and the Celtics. Um, And if I had to pick a team between the Heat and the Celtics, which I think is what it really comes down to, I'd pick the Heat because they do have a harder schedule than Boston. Um, And overall, I just think that Boston had that stretch where they were playing really well, and then now they've been a little shaky with some injuries, Kemba not playing. They're kind of managing his injury, making sure he doesn't get injured. I bet that down the stretch in the season, he will play at least the final five games in a row, regardless of the schedule of it. And I bet Jalen Brown, they'll rush him back a little bit to make sure that they don't end up in that playing spot. Because frankly, if they win the games now, they get an extra week of rest later, and that would probably be more important than resting some regular season games and playing right up until the playoffs. So considering that the Celtics are playing badly only because of that injury situation, I would say they'd be good enough to beat out the Heat for that seventh seed. Um, but again, if the Heat get in the seventh seed, Milwaukee better hope they don't get the two seed because Milwaukee, for some reason, can't find a way to beat Miami. Just whatever it is with that defensive system that they use on Giannis, they just can't beat them. Uh, so Milwaukee, maybe you want to stay at that three seed. And I think Milwaukee would probably be able to take a matchup with Boston, but that's going a little too far in the future. I would say definitely Celtics are going to get that, or Celtics are going to 
yeah, get that six seed, and the Heat will probably only fall about a game or half a game behind, but they will still be in seventh. All right, let's wrap it up here. Uh, final question. The Washington Wizards, by virtue of that aforementioned eight-game win streak, are now, as you mentioned, in a position for the 10th seed in the East. They're two games ahead of the Raptors and the Bulls. With only 12 games left in the season for each of those teams, have the Wizards separated themselves as the best candidate for that 10th seed? If I had not looked up what the re- what the remaining schedules were for these teams, I would say no. But let's talk about this remaining schedule. Toronto has the third hardest remaining schedule in the league at 568 average winning percentage for their crazy, teams. Crazy tough. Schedule. And actually, I looked at it. I forget whether it was Toronto or Chicago, but one of them plays like pretty much all West Coast teams. And by West Coast teams, I mean the Suns, the Lakers. Mm. Um, the Nuggets <laughs> and the Clippers. So, might so be understanding how difficult those games are the because Lakers, those those records are way yeah. down. If they're playing the Lakers later, you might even see LeBron coming back, yeah. and that team is not a thirty-five and twenty-five team with LeBron in. Um, we all know that they are the champions with LeBron in. Um, they also play each other once, Toronto and Chicago. And then Washington only plays Toronto once. Washington, meanwhile, has the 16th hardest remaining schedule at 497. So their opponents combine for a sub-500 record. And I would also mention that it's not like they haven't been beating good teams. They beat the Warriors, who have brought themselves above 500 by a few games um, currently. And they also beat the Jazz at home, which which was something nobody had done in 25 games on the road against the Jazz. So... It's not like Washington would even be limited by having a hard schedule, and they don't have one. They have the easiest schedule by far out of these three teams. Um, I think they have. Sep- I don't think they have separated themselves in terms of how well they play over, especially over the course of the season or talent-wise, especially from Toronto. But I do think, considering what they have left on their table, I think they've easily separated themselves as the most likely candidate, if I were to give them a percentage like I did with the one seed in the East, I would give Washington an 80% chance to get that 10 seed, and then I would split the rest evenly 10 and 10 with Toronto and Chicago. I think that one's I think that one's looking close to over, and a few more wins by Washington over maybe some of the better teams they play will probably cement that. Yeah, and I may have I interrupted you with a little bit about my comment about the winning percentage is not accurately reflecting maybe some of the strength of the teams in the West, because you mentioned... Toronto has the third hardest remaining schedule, but I kind Chicago of has the fourth hardest. Yeah, steps on you. Yeah, there. yeah, barely at five fifty. And I mean, by the way, uh, that 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 difference is pretty big when you look at the difference between how compact this is. It's very similar to how the how easy the Sixers schedule is compared to everybody else. But at the same time, uh, that makes a huge difference, which I think knocks Toronto out. And I think Chicago's less talented. If I were to switch Toronto's and Chicago's schedules. I think I might have a little bit of a conversation about Toronto, and if I were to switch Toronto's and Washington schedules, I would say I would have Toronto maybe overtaking Washington, but it is what it is for those teams. This is their fault for not playing well enough to begin with, and now Washington is surging at the right time, and that's also what I like about them, is that they are playing really, really, really well down the stretch, as opposed to Toronto and Chicago, who you could say are doing the exact opposite. All right, well, we'll see how this plays out in the final two, three weeks of the regular season. Obviously, we'll be talking about it, but going to be... And next week, probably focus more on the West because uh, the, the the picture is a little more solidified, which is why we talked about it less this time because there's a lot less to project, whereas the East has kind of been a mess all season, and it still is. Um, but the West, I think, all the while the races are tight, we all know who, who are in the races. I mean... 
There's no question about the 10th seed. I think whoever's in 10th, I think it's the Spurs, are four and a half games above the Pelicans who are in 11th. That's not a close race. Um, however, there are some ones like the Trailblazers and the Mavericks with each other that are very, very close and keep flipping. Uh, you got the Jazz and the Sons of the Clippers, which we talked about this week. But we'll definitely get back more into the West next week, too, to talk about all those close, close races because they will get really, really close towards the end of the season. Yeah, and as the playoff picture comes clear into focus, we'll probably start delving into the matchups and uh, because, as you talked about, some teams might not want a certain team to yep. line up next to them the first time. Yep. They just don't play well with each other. But we'll, uh, we'll turn our attention to those things um, next week in our weekly recap of the NBA. For this week, it wraps the edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out the next podcast, which will be on Friday, April 30th. And we will talk about Major League Baseball and other significant events in the world of sports. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including tomorrow's NBA Power Rankings update, his picks for next weekend's games, which will be on Thursday, and his MLB Power Rankings updates, which are posted on Saturdays. All that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Before we sign off, Patrick wanted a little uh, acknowledgement slash congratulations here. Congratulations to the Utah Jazz on becoming the first and so far the only team in the NBA to clinch a playoff berth in a loaded West when they were not supposed to be the one seed, and it looks like they might be. There are a few teams who have opportunities to clinch in the next few days, and we will definitely give them congratulations at the end of the podcast in the future for the teams who do that, and probably maybe even do a little send-off to some of the teams that have been eliminated, although I will say very quickly goodbye to the Rockets because, uh, well, you traded James Harden. Too bad. All right. Well, with that, we thank you for listening and look forward to being with you next week.